place? Isn't that your testimony? Would you just lift a voice of gratitude to Him right now? Oh, hallelujah! Oh, would you give Him praise? It's the goodness of God. Hallelujah! Oh, my days, you have been faithful, Lord. Come on, have you, have you found that to be true? Would you just give Him a sacrifice of praise in this place? All my days, you have been faithful, Lord. All my days, you have been good. Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a, what a blessed sense of the presence of the Lord in this house. Amen. And it's so good to see all of you in here worshiping the Lord. I feel faith in this place today. Amen. The last few Sundays, we've had just a wonderful sense of victory and revival. And I feel that in this house. I think the Lord is up to something. I know the Lord is up to something. Praise God. I know that many of you may have plans and Father's Day and all of that, but we're in the presence of our Heavenly Father. And I want us to take advantage of every moment that we can get and to rejoice in Him. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. kids downstairs having a great time. So awesome to have some something that equates to almost normal. Amen. And uh, we are working on uh, various ministries, trying to get things rolling again. So I appreciate you taking advantage of what we do have. And uh, we will uh, be hopefully back to normal very soon. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 I want to read a, it's, uh, several passages, uh, verses, beginning with verse 14. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial or a worthless one? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? If you have a King James or a more traditional translation, it'll say, for you are the temple. But it's really plural. Many translations in ancient manuscripts say we, for we are the collective church. We are the temple of the living God. Listen to this. As God said... I will dwell in them, plural. And I will walk among them, plural. And I will be their, plural, God. And they, plural, shall be my people. Therefore, because of this, you, you come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Listen. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. There's no chapter breaks in the original letter. Verse 1 of chapter 7 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And I want to preach to you this morning from verse 18. 
sons and daughters of the Almighty. Sons and daughters of the Almighty. Can we again just give him praise? Give him thanks for the victory that we feel in this house. Come on, you're a child of the King. You're a child of the Almighty. God, we magnify you. We bless your name. We worship you in this house. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. And again, a very happy holiday. Wonderful Father's Day to all of our fathers that are here today. We celebrate you. And because we don't know how else to treat a father, we have free cookies for you. Uh, there's some wonderful cookies in the foyer. I have, I have, I've taken one for the team and sampled them for you. So they're good. Didn't want to serve anything subpar to our wonderful church. So uh, I want you to know they are very good. I can vouch for that. Also, some opportunities for photos out there. Dads, you probably don't care, but moms do. Um, there's some. <laughs> There's some photo opportunities out in the foyer. And so take time to go out there and take some pictures. Happy Father's Day to our fathers. Also a very special happy Father's Day to my father. I'm thankful that he's here with us today. Happy Father's Day, Dad. God created humans so, so that children are born as the result of the union of a man and woman, a father and a mother. Children were created to be raised, nurtured, and loved and supported by both a father and a mother. Many problems in our society exist today because of the breakdown of this God-ordained structure. So often it's easy to divert the debate to something else. And it's easy to divert the conversation to something else when in reality, the overwhelming issue with our society is the absence of fathers in homes. You cannot ignore the owner's manual and think the product is going to work. One of the things that's very puzzling is that anyone who can read statistics and demographics knows this to be true. However, our society has been on a deliberate effort to minimize the role of fathers. In fact, our society has been on a deliberate role to say that, well, humans really are faceless, mass, just generic, nondescript beings. God created us, male and female. And there is a unique difference in a man and in a woman, in a father and in a mother. One is not better than the other. The scripture never teaches that. But they are complementary and they are different from one another. And a child needs the influence of both. The child needs the nurture of both. In fact, I think we can make a case that the image of God is only reflected fully in humanity through both genders, through male and female. Because it's in His image He created them. And as we celebrate, as we celebrate the identity of humanity as God created it, we're actually celebrating the image of God as it has been placed in our societies, in our creation, in the created order of humanity. And so today, we, we are thankful. Of course, in this room today, there are many testimonies of great fathers. There are many testimonies of people uh, who are alive today in this room who are being great fathers. Some of you have no biological children of your own, but you are still great fathers. Touching and changing the lives of 
The presence of a father brings stability. A father is a provider. A father is a protector. A father shows strength. And I'm not just talking about physical strength, but strength that is demonstrated in faithfulness. Strength that is demonstrated in principled living. Strength that is demonstrated in good old-fashioned discipline. Strength that is demonstrated in love and kindness and gentleness. If you were not blessed to be raised by a good father, there are men in the church who can provide that fatherly shelter for you. There are other men in our church, even in society, men that you know, who are able to provide that warmth and the love of a father. I would challenge you to get closely acquainted with some of those men. Make relationships with men who can nurture and care for you and guide you. But even more than this, the Bible teaches us that there is a special place in the heart of God for the fatherless. Sometimes when you have your Bible app open, just, just search the word fatherless. God is extremely concerned about the fatherless. In fact, many of the judgments in the Old Testament, specifically in, say, for example, the minor prophets, are because the community did not take care of the fatherless. I know that we have a, 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 a society in which there are many benefits and there's a, a social net that is there for people, but I want to remind the church that we have a responsibility to the fatherless. We have a responsibility to step in that gap for those of our own who are perhaps without father. And I want to make sure that on a day like today when we may go about our business and taking our pictures and eating our cookies and doing whatever it is that we have planned, that we don't forget the burden of God for the fatherless. It is ever with us and we do well to remember it. But even beyond that, there is a promise from God that God himself steps in the gap. He doesn't only leave it to us and he doesn't only leave it to society, but that place that God has in his heart for the fatherless, God himself steps into that gap. The psalmist recognizing this in the 27th Psalm said, but when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. I just want to tell you today, it's not the point of my message, but there is a heavenly father that steps in the gap, the literal gap in your life. And when you are lonely and when you are afraid and when you are destitute, you can call on the name of God and God will be with you. Even if your mother forsakes you, your father, those that love you and are close to you, there is a God in heaven who will not forsake you and he will not leave you. That is the God that we serve today. What a comfort. That's why we come and sing the songs that we sing and we lift voices and hands and at times there's tears in our eyes and there's rejoicing and at times we dance and shout. Why? Because we have known this Father God in our own lives. In the text that I read to you, God promised, I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. There are many different ways that God is depicted in Scripture. The way that He is depicted most often in both Testaments is Father. And in this passage, He says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my daughters, and you will be my sons, says the Lord Almighty. There are many, many ways that He's revealed in Scripture. He is the Lord who is a shepherd in the 23rd Psalm, He is the Lord who is a provider. 
to Abraham. He is a Lord who is healer. He is a Lord who does all these things. But Paul here quotes from the Old Testament, a passage where he says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and you will be my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the God who stepped through the portals of eternity and on the balcony of nothingness and spoke into the emptiness and said, let there be light. And there was light. By his will and by his command, everything that is became into existence. By the power of this God, he parted the Red Sea and he rolled back and held back the waters of Jordan. This is the God who held the sun still in the sky. This is the God who rained down manna from heaven. This is the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they were. And he says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. My father is abundantly wealthy. My father is able to create. My father is able to speak to the sun and make it stand still. My father is able to step out into nothing and he's able to create something that's my father and God says you'll be my sons and daughters and you need to know that you're not the sons and daughters of some derelict deadbeat dad but you are the sons and daughters of the Lord Almighty whatever you need I have the ability wherever you are I have the ability to be a son and daughter of the Almighty means that my father can break yokes of addiction. He can deliver you from oppression. He can give peace to the troubled mind. He can forgive sins. He can give you a brand new start. He is the Lord Almighty. I want you to know that it's not just a figment of our imagination. and It's not just a, a, a creed from a book, but he is a living creator God and he has all power. I want you to know that this God, who is my father and your father, this God, he is king of kings and he is Lord of Lords. He has a city that he owns and the streets are paved with gold and the walls are made out of jasper and the gates are made of pearl. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver is his and all the gold is his. My father has a name that is above every name and that at his name demons have to flee and at his name sins are washed away in the waters of baptism. My father has all authority in heaven in earth. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost an effort that he stepped into. That's who my father is. I'll make you sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We're not talking about being the, being the child of a rich person. At times that seemed very appealing. We're not talking about being the child of a famous person. We're not talking about being the child of the guy next door. We're talking about being the child of the Lord Almighty. Almighty means almighty. Almighty means there's nothing too hard for the Lord to do. Almighty means he can heal the barren womb. Almighty means he can take the cancer away. 
Almighty means he can take the guilt and the shame away. Almighty means he can take the stigma away. Almighty means he can open doors that no man can open. Almighty means that he is a way maker and he's able to part things that are in your life. Almighty means that when you get to a dead end and you don't have anywhere to go, the Almighty is your father. And if the Almighty is your father, there's always a way out. There's always a way of escape. There's always a place to go because the Almighty is your father. That's who my father is. It's nothing too hard for the Lord. But he also sees every sparrow that falls to the ground. He also knows the number of the hairs that are on your head. He's a God that clothed the grass, clothed the earth with grass and lilies. He's a God that takes care. He's a God that is tender hearted. He is a God that is kind. He is a God that is compassionate. He is the God of all mercies. He is the God that cares for you. He's not the tyrant. Think of it. He is a father and he is pleading with his people in both testaments. I want to be your father. I don't only want to be a king. I don't only want to be a czar or a ruler. I don't only want to be on a throne. He says, I want to be your father. I want relationship. I want to be close to you. I want to protect you. I want to provide for you. And I have the means to do it. I am the almighty that's who our father is he's rich in other ways that we need i suppose most of us could find a loan if we needed it maybe borrow from a friend or a relative or maybe someone here in the church the person next to you might would loan you some we can get stuff we can go to the government we can go to neighbors and friends there's a lot of places and resources we can go and before we're totally destitute. We can see doctors and we can hire lawyers and we can do all sorts of things and use credit cards. And there's a lot of steps usually in between us and total desolation. We're very rarely totally on the brink. There's always another plan. And so sometimes the wealth and the greatness and the power of God may be lost on us because we don't necessarily absolutely need it. We might desire it and want it, but we don't really need it. But there are ways in which God is wealthy that we do need. And there's ways in which He is wealthy that no one else is. And there's things we get from Him we can't get from a bank. And there's things we get from Him that we can't get from the lawyer. My God is wealthy. He is the Lord Almighty. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, But God who is rich in mercy. He doesn't count his wealth in dollar bills. Paul said, my God is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead, in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I can find money if I have to, but there's only one place I can go and find mercies that I need when I really need mercies, and that is to God. And the good news is He is wealthy in mercy. He is rich in abundance of mercy. 
You have a father this morning who has never run out of mercy. He has never run out of his graces. He has never run out of his feelings for you. I want to encourage you today. You may be struggling or off track or gone down some trail in your life, but there is a God who is your father and he is the almighty one and he is rich in mercy. You're not going to use up his mercy. You're not going to use up his grace. He is still abundantly supplied. He can throw grace here and grace there and mercy's here and still be the same God he was. He is rich in mercy. And that God says, I want to be your father. I want to be in relationship with you. I want you to be my sons and my daughters. The Lord Almighty. We are, of course, are so many beautiful messages and metaphors the scripture uses for our relationship with God and our conversion experience and how we get to know Him. Of course, one of the most well-known in scripture, of course, is one that Jesus Himself used, and that's the new birth. We're born again. He had this conversation with Nicodemus. It's elsewhere in the New Testament as well, but, but this being born again... We are born. We, are, we become the children of God. We get a new life. Think about it. A baby, a newborn baby. Where is its life? It's not behind it in regret. It's in front of it in hope. And that's the metaphor. You're born again. You get a brand new life. Everything is new. You just got welcome to the family. And everybody's glad to see you. Now give it a few years. <laughs> In other words, your future is yours to own. It's yours to mess up. It's yours to capitalize on. You've got the whole, the whole things in front of you. And that's the way our, our, our entrance into the Christian faith is described. You're born again. You're born again. A baby has no regrets. A baby has no history. A baby has no fault, no guilt, no shame. A baby just is new. And that's one of the metaphors that we get of being a child of God. But there's something implicit in this passage that is also talked about in the Bible. And it's another way that we become a child of God. And that is through the process of adoption. God is not talking here about birthing someone who doesn't exist. He's talking to people and say, hey, why don't you come be my children? What he's saying is it doesn't matter how far you are. Adoption. Adoption is a statement of total benevolence by a parent who doesn't have to, but they choose to take on a human being. Why? Because of un, unselfish love. That person needs me. And I have the ability to help that person. And adoption is when you are brought into a family that you weren't born into. In other words, it's foreign to you. And you're foreign to it. But you have been valued. And you have been prized. And there's been worth that has been placed on you. And that is the imagery in this passage. Where there is an invitation from the Lord Almighty... And he's saying, would you become my children? 
You can leave the families you're in. You can leave the life you have and you can become my family. And you need to know something. I am the Lord Almighty. I'm not like everything else that has disappointed you. I'm not like everything else that has wounded you or hurt you. I am the Lord Almighty. God chooses us because he loves us. God reaches to us when we don't deserve it. Paul said in Romans, when we were yet sinners, he died for us. This whole beautiful message of adoption, it's so rich, it's so powerful. And God is saying, come be my sons and daughters. He opens the kingdom to us. He opens his storehouse to us. He opens his bountiful blessings to us. Why? He's the Lord Almighty. We are adopted through the power of his spirit. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul wrote, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba, it's an Aramaic word. It's the closest equivalent we have is Daddy. It's an informal word. It's an intimate word. It's not the formal, my father. It's the word the kid uses when he runs and jumps in the dad's lap. It's the word the kid needs when he's screaming and needs some instant intervention. It's the intimate term. It's the close word. And Paul says when you're adopted into the kingdom of God, the spirit of adoption is in you. And you are able to cry, Abba, Father. In other words, God is not the remote dictator. God is not the remote king. God is not the remote creator. He's not the remote judge. But he's the one who is close to you and intimate with you. The one who takes you in his arms. And he doesn't scold you when you're down. But he pulls you in close. And he lets you feel the love that you need even when you're hurt and when you've done wrong. That is the spirit of adoption. Oh, what a wonderful feeling when you're born again of the water and the spirit. When you are baptized in that spirit. And you receive that spirit of adoption. I know most of you have received it. Several recently in recent weeks have been filled with the Spirit here. And those that haven't, I want to say to you, there is nothing like being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That Spirit that enables you to cry, Abba, Father. He may have seemed strange and He may have seemed like a mystery, but when you inherit His Spirit, when you are filled with His Spirit, you now are close to Him. You are in intimate relationship with Him. He has become your Father. What a privilege. What a joy. The Lord Almighty says, I want you to be my sons and daughters. Why would he pick us? Why would he pick us? Are not there more capable people in the world? Surely you can say yes. Are there not more polished people? Are there not people with more potential? Are there not people if whom he saved them perhaps could have a greater impact on spreading the gospel? Think of it. Think of it. He doesn't save us for his own utilitarian purposes. He puts the call out because he loves us. And no matter what you have or don't have to offer him, if you say yes, you become a son or daughter of the Lord Almighty.
I don't want to get lost in the weeds of sociological studies, but there have been sociological studies about uh, people that succeed and that sort of thing. And sometimes uh, children that do very well come from wealthy families. And there's an indirect correlation between their doing well and the wealth. The wealth doesn't do it, but what happens is that they are exposed to things that other kids are not exposed to. And so from an early age, they get knowledge and they get confidence because they're exposed to things and they're put into settings. And they're also put into settings to interact with people of power and people in various places. So in other words, it's not just that raw money does it, but because they're living this particular lifestyle, they have access to things that help them function so that when they're 21 and they get into a very great situation like a job interview, they're okay with it. They can handle it. Someone that maybe has not had all of those experiences, may not have the confidence, may not have the overall context of life and living in relationships and all of that, they get into an interview and they botch it, not because they're incapable of doing the job. And so you probably remember this going to school. Think about the, you know, the rich kids at school. There, there was a certain group of kids that just seemed to kind of have a confidence that was kind of annoying, quite actually. Now, it's up to them to do something productive with it, okay? I'm not saying they're all righteous. But imagine this. If you really knew and believed, my Father is the Lord Almighty. How would you walk in this place? How would you walk in your house? How would you walk in your job? Would you just kind of sneak around hoping nobody asked you if you were a Christian? Would you just kind of sneak around feeling like you're in some strange place? No, you'd own the place when you walked in. Why? Because your God is your Father and your God is the Lord Almighty and there's nothing that He can't do. And if that God loves you, it really doesn't matter a whole lot what a lot of other things happen. Having an awareness, I want to challenge you today to recognize that God Almighty is your Father. You are not second class. You are not pressed down. You are not in a different category. You have every right of a child of God. Step into your rightful authority. Step into the blessings of God. Step into the victory of God. Live like your God is your Father. I want us to stand as we close. I want to respect your time. I'll finish this next week. Good news as a pastor, I get 52 shots a year. I really think that's why evangelists preach so long. They're, you know, they may not be back for a year. So I go short so you'll give them grace, okay? All right. As I was reading this passage, and there's all this covenant and contract language going on here, and then the whole point of it, the whole point of covenant with God is that God wants to be in a relationship with you. God wants to be close to you. Can you, can you take that in today? Can you, can you bring that in today? Can you bring that into your awareness today? The Almighty, the Almighty. Not a picture you see on stained glass somewhere. 
Not even your concept that you've deduced from studying Scripture all your life. He's so much bigger than all that. But if you could somehow let it just dawn on you and just kind of let it come to life, the Almighty God, He didn't fling stars. He just said it. He just willed it. And if he can step into the void and the absence of totally empty space and create the beauties that are still around today, don't you think he can do something in your life? If you need healing today, I tell you, I tell you your Father is the Lord Almighty. If you need deliverance physically, spiritually, emotionally, I tell you today, your Father is the Lord Almighty. If you don't know Him, if you've never been born again, we have water. We'll baptize you today. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit that enables you to cry, Abba, Father, today. And to the rest of you, could you renew that in your hearts and spirits this morning? That sense that... God is my Father. Whom shall I fear? Of what shall I be afraid? I want us to pray right now. If you're a child of God, would you just, would you just begin to offer Him thanks? Would you begin to just offer heartfelt gratitude that you, in your imperfections, have been adopted into His kingdom? And that this God is your Father. But I want you to let your faith out this morning. If you have a need, I want you to, I want you to step out on your, on your relationship with God and say, okay, God, you're my Father. And you said that Jesus in his teaching said, your heavenly Father will not hold any good gift from those who ask. In another telling, he said, they will not, he will not withhold the Holy Spirit from those who ask. If you need something, you need to ask him. Also, you have not because you ask not. Would you ask your Heavenly Father right now? Maybe you need understanding. Maybe you need breakthrough in your mind. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you need provision. Come on, would you just begin to speak in faith? This is not the formal king that's remote and far off and you have to be ushered in with guards and all this pomp. No, this is Daddy. This is Abba. Abba Father. Would you speak to him today? Would you let his healing, would you let his assurance wash over you? Would you let him fill in the gaps? Would you let him feel in the shortcomings? Would you let him do what he only, only he can do? Would you, would you let that healing virtue flow in your spirit today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can't you feel him this morning? Hallelujah. He's in this place. That said, if you want to pray, you're welcome to come to the front. I'll pray with you in a moment. Others will pray with you where you're at, would you lift your voices? Would you lift your voices? Lord, I want to thank you that you're my Father, the Almighty God of the universe, creator of heaven and earth. He's my Father. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's give him praise. All my life you have been that's your testimony?